1: who after game two, we were on here last week, so right after we were, right after we got off, uh, the Warriors blew a 31-point lead. So 3-1 for those that are not Warriors fans, although I don't know why you would be listening to this if you weren't. But they threw a 31-point lead. Kevin Durant pretty much got the gist of the uh, criticism, right? So uh, after that, because he shot eight shots and had nine turnovers. What did he uh, say?
2: I'm Kevin Durant. You know who I am.
1: Uh, what? That's how you know how great he is. He can say something like that, and he came out in game three, uh, racked it up, racked it up, shot right over Pat Beverly, uh, which is what he said he would do, and then this game was spectacular. Pretty much carried the Warriors, uh, through that through the end of that first half when they needed him, and hit that pull up three at the end of the half, um, uh, and got a foul along with that. So, what do you think? What do you think about his re- uh, his um his reaction and his response after what happened happened earlier in the week? I think that's who he is. I think he
2: played a terrible game. Um, You know, KD is not a guy who's going to just shoot eight shots. That's very uncharacteristic. We saw the little facilitator mode for the last month, and the reason we all talked about it is because we're not used to this guy only taking eight to ten shots a game. Uh, Last two games, he kind of reminded everyone who he is, which is the best scorer in the NBA, most talented player in the NBA. I think he has a total of 71 points over the last two games. So um, you know, doing exactly what you'd expect him to do. If you want to join us and call into the show, eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero, or you can text us on the Chilton Auto Body text line, nine five seven nine five.
1: Yeah, I, I just you know I just think it's it's for Kevin Durant. It's one of those where they can. They can beat the Clippers without him. They can beat you know whoever they play in the, if they get to the Western Conference Finals without him. They can probably beat most of, most of the Eastern Conference teams without him. A lot of it is they are going to need him here against Houston. We're going to go into to Houston. We're going to get Zach Harper on here about it. But they need uh, they need this version of Kevin Durant. It's uh, it's the passive non passing kind of thing that that needs to go. And I think he needs to show that. He could be the one that's averaging thirty points here as well. So, and I
2: think he has. I think the last two games, we can look at that game too as just kind of a blip on the radar and kind of one of those embarrassing games the team might have needed to just get itself recalibrated to kind of remind itself what it wants to do. They'd been playing with this KD facilitator style for so long uh, because they can get away with it because yeah. they don't need him to shoot to beat, um, you know, Phoenix or well. They- they did lose to anyway. That's a different topic. They don't need him to beat most teams in the regular season, uh, but to to play at their top level, to win a championship, to go against the better teams in the league, such as Houston, they need KD locked into his game. They need everyone locked
1: in. Yeah, it's it's showtime. It's showtime now, and and you can tell for the rest of the Warriors, you can tell like Andre Iguodala. When when was the last time he moved this well?
2: Oh, he's been phenomenal for most of this year, and it's just gone right into the playoffs. Yeah. Five for six today, fifteen points um three of them were threes i feel like he's had more dunks this year yeah. than he had the previous two years combined yep. looks like he's found the fountain of youth
1: yeah he that that dunk that he had near the end of the game when they put in the death lineup and he took a dribble down and just he just flew and you don't see that at since i don't know man like last time maybe he won the finals mvp and keep in mind that uh in in 2016 when they lost andre godala was hurt he was he was basically limping down the court now, and andrew bogut uh, was so washed, not washed up. He was so um, banged up that before he even got his injury, he could barely move. And so you've got a refresh Warriors team right now. You've got a team that physically looks like they're ready to play Houston. Uh,
2: and maybe it's maybe it's a combination of losing that game to the Clippers and losing Boogie for the playoffs that kind of gave them that that shot of urgency they needed. That that little kick. To let them know, you know, hey, it's not foregone that you're just going to walk to the finals. You know, this can get this can get tricky if you don't focus.
1: Yeah, that's kind of a problem, though. A team that just repeatedly needs that, like I would worry. I mean, even last season, they thought they were going to beat Houston the whole time, and then they got that kick when they went down three two, right? Like it's it, that's just that's a problem that you just don't expect to see from great teams, no. No, you're right, but
2: it's it's year five of the run, year three with this core. Complacency sets in. it's hard to keep getting up. It's a reason you don't see teams go to five straight finals. You don't see teams three Pete. You don't see teams win four and five. It's meant to be harder. Other teams are hungrier. You kind of you kind of fall you, you fall to complacency.
1: Yeah, um, I think that's probably something the Warriors uh, are getting probably worse at the last couple years is that and you know a lot of the off the court locker room stuff has has them to deal with it. Hey, you see this text, Sam, right here seven from the seven oh seven. Well, I'll, I'll let you read that while I keep talking here. But um, the Warriors go <laughs> go up three one. They play on Wednesday to close out the series. Um, some of the adjustments during the game that have been made so far. Lou Williams and Montres Hale have pretty much been. Not They haven't been terrible, but they've been absolutely taking out, taken out of the game.
2: And I think it goes to your point. We're seeing less Quinn Cook, more Andre Iguodala. um, less DeMarcus Cousins, more Kayvon Looney. Uh, when you start playing your better defensive players, it's going to be harder for the other teams' best players to get going. And what's always been tricky about the Clippers is their two best offensive players, kind of their bread and butter, uh, play off the bench. So... You know they're they're not going against Clay Thompson for the full game. They're not going against um, Kevin Durant for the full game. They you know they they kind of got to pick their poison against the second unit. And you know Quinn Cook, uh, good bench player, but but not the defensive stopper you want on Lou Will.
1: Yeah, i i have a I have a DeMarcus Cousins take too. He's out for the postseason. It looks like um, with that quad injury. I um, mean, and I think you agree with me on this. I think. You know, it's obviously awful. You know, he's probably not going to get a big contract. He might be coming back to, who knows what's going to happen this offseason. We haven't heard from him yet. But I think the Warriors are probably better served without DeMarcus Cousins. I think they have a chance to, to I think either way they'll probably win. Um, but I think this allows them a better chance where they're more. Oh, See, I, I disagree with you. Um,
2: I think they're. Better defense. I think the starting unit doesn't need him because they have enough offensive weapons and it gets a little, it's just one more player who wants the ball in their hands, and that's one less possession that Steph hasn't, one less possession that KD does. Uh, but in terms of the backup unit, I mean, Cousins was playing excellent with that second unit for kind of the whole second second half of the season, and, I mean, end of the day, they're, they're depending on Andrew Bogut and Kayvon
1: Looney. If either of those guys get banged up, yeah, they're, I, they're painfully thin. I, I think you just play Kevin Durant more. I think you just play Kevin Durant and Draymond Green as many minutes as you can. It's the postseason, and uh, we'll, we got Robert on the line. We'll wait till after the break uh, to get to you. Um, come back on the other side. We got Zach Harper. We're going to talk Houston. Uh, ninety-five-seven. The game.
0: Warriors World Radio continues on ninety-five-seven. The game. Here's Andy Lou and Sam Espandiari.
2: Warriors World Radio. Sam is Fandiari and Andy Liu here. Sam, um, you hear that?
1: That's a Coachella shout out from our producer from behind the <laughs> wall, Griff, Griffin. Right there, salute. Anyway, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, Andy's dancing uh, back here. You guys can't see him, but he's, he's very.
2: Into you don't music. want to see it. You don't want to see it. Um, if you want to call in to join the show, eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. If you want to text us to the Chilton Auto Body Text Line nine five seven nine five. But we have Zach Harper from the Athletic joining us shortly. Uh, before he gets here, um, Andy, I want to go back into kind of the defense here. So you're saying you think the, the boogie injury might be a blessing in disguise for this team. The combo of that and tightening up the bench is why the Warriors' defense was a lot better these last two games.
1: I, I, think, we know, I think we know how good the Warriors can be. So I, I think we know how great the Warriors can be, right? And I think that's good enough to beat every team in the league right now. I think there's no need to kind of move away from what works. And last season with Steph being hurt and the, and the, um, the offense being geared in a way towards KD. I don't think that was the best that the Warriors had. I think the Warriors right now are probably playing the best and are constituted, created the best way um, offensively and defensively that defensively that they can be. And I think the Marcus Cousins is someone that kind of throws a wrench in that. I do think it's good. Um, off the bench, him for him to be the second scorer, but I think at the end you just go ahead and just throw KD out for 42, 43 minutes. You play Steph for 39 minutes. You play Clay. What he What did he do today? 41, 42 minutes. From there, I think, uh, I think it'll work out. Oh, we've got Zach Harper. All right, let's get him on here. So we've got Zach Harper from the Athletic. Zach, Andy, Lou, Samus, Vendieri. Sir, how are you doing?
3: Oh guys, uh, this is the pinna- <laughs> this is the pinnacle of my career, is being able to talk to you guys on the radio.
1: I <laughs> don't <laughs> not a great career, but appreciate you coming on.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's not a great career. That's for
1: sure. <laughs> hey, uh, so we're uh, we're talking about the Clippers game right now. We'll, we'll go into every single, well, almost every single series. Uh, some don't matter uh, as much. But w- what are your thoughts so far? What are your thoughts? I'm like a media reporter now. What are your thoughts so far on the Clippers, spe- specifically on KD? and kind of the ups and downs of this series. And th- will that matter against Houston? Like, like, what's going on there?
3: I actually think the, the Warriors' mindset is pretty perfect right now. Like, yeah, they had the collapse in game two, right? And, and that, that kind of, you know, ruined this air of invincibility. But I think it also reminded them of where they need to be, you know, as a collective unit. And you saw that in game three. I thought, you know, despite Steph having a terrible game today, uh, at least shooting the ball, um, you know, Clay carried them at times. Katie carried them at times. Iguodala hit some big shots. Draymond was all over the place. Like, I, I think even when guys are off, like, this team's in a really good place. Now, they're going to need to be a lot better, uh, against the Rockets than they will be against the Clippers. You know, of course, assuming both teams move on, because you don't want to assume anything with, uh, with this. You know, the Jazz, I'm sure, can win four straight against this Rockets team, even though they look like garbage through the first, uh, three games of the series. But I think, I think with the, with the Warriors, like, they were they in a much better mental spot than I thought they were going to be before I, before I was there in person for the last two games. And so like I feel pretty confident in them right
4: now.
2: So you mentioned uh, Houston. Clay also mentioned it in his post game. He said, you know, we see uh, our opponent over there up 3-0, and we don't want to give away any more games to give them extra rest. Um, so we'll make the assumption that it's Warriors-Rockets next round. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I've been kind of struggling with trying to figure out is this Rockets team better than they were last year? At, at least at this time, because they've been hot pretty much since the All Star break. Or is this Utah team just not that good, and it's making them look better? Because I can't really decipher.
3: I, yeah, I think this Utah team is really good unless they're playing the Warriors and the Rockets. I think they would beat any other team in the playoffs. Um, and it's just like the, the what happened in the last you know night of the season really screwed them for, for looking good in the, in the first round. And so they don't match up well with this Rockets team. The Rockets can defend them really well. Uh, the, they, can, they can, you know, overmatch them with James Harden. Even even on a night where he goes three for 20 and starts over 15, they can be good enough to, to still give the Jazz fits. Um, I don't think the Rockets are better than they were last year. I think James Harden is better than he was last year, and that can give them this air of, like, being uh, an improved team ready to take on the world and beat their chest and all that stuff. But I, you look at in terms of guys that they're going to have out there defending. I just like I honestly don't see how this team can be better suited for for facing the Warriors. Now they they may be as good as they were last year, right? Like I think you can get to that point because of you know Chris Paul looks looks better now than he did than he did last season, and and obviously assuming he doesn't get injured again. James Harden obviously looks better. I think Clint Capella looks looks to have a better understanding of what they want to do defensively, and they were really good defensively last year. But they have so many unproven guys with, you know, with House, with with Austin Rivers, with um, you know, even even PJ Tucker to to a certain extent. Like PJ Tucker has had some really good moments, and he had some really bad moments against the Warriors that that he's going to have to erase and come back and prove that those were just uh, those were just lapses in in his game last year. So I think I think for the most part, like. This Rockets team still has a lot to prove. They've been great last three months. Like it's been really good. It's been a really fun show. But
1: you don't you don't it, think Daniel House is going to cut it, Zach?
3: I mean, <laughs> you know what? You know, I, I'm I, I'm confused by the way he spells his first name. So that so that's maybe throwing me off with the value. Like he can shoot and he can defend and he's a solid player. But like, is he better than Trevor Ariza? Like, no, of course.
1: Yeah, not. yeah. I think that's my concern. I, I think one of my primary concerns. I want to get your thoughts on this, is DeMarcus Cousins. I think while he looked great against Houston in the last game that they played, um, the Warriors actually won that game, and and Cousins essentially owned Clint Capella, which Clint Capella also doesn't look great right now either, which is interesting. Um, But what about the absence of Cousins? Because I I think that this actually helps the Warriors. Um, Just just because they have more defense, and they can just play guys more minutes, and there's less guys to, to feed. What do you think about that specifically towards Houston?
3: Yeah, I, I think that's interesting because I, I was actually talking about this with people after Game 3 where – I've got a plane flying me over me right now, so that's great. But uh, I I was talking about this after Game 3 of, like, okay, now that Cousins isn't involved anymore, like, what if this is just a 73-win team but instead of Harrison Barnes you have Kevin Durant, right? Like, Bogut looks pretty good. Like, I don't know. I, they may be overextending Bogut a little bit, um, yeah. you know, so quickly back – back with this team and back in the NBA. But if this is the seventy three win team with, with Kevin Durant instead of Harrison Barnes, like I don't know how anyone matches up with that. I don't know how anyone challenges that. I don't like aside from a couple of mental lapses here and there, like I just think that they're they're better suited. Like it would be nice to have a guy who can get Clint Capella into foul trouble and destroy him in a game. But they also like if they're locked in defensively and they're clicking the way they can offensively, they don't need that guy. to to destroy Quinn Capella. Like, they can just destroy everybody on their own. So, like, I I do – I don't know if this makes them a better team. I just think it makes them a team that's easier to focus around.
2: So, um, the one warrior who's kind of stood out to me over the last month for kind of really upping their game would be Draymond Green. Um, I think your colleague Marcus Thompson wrote the piece about how he lost 23 pounds in six weeks. So, the real question is, um, are we seeing – are we seeing kind of a return of the Draymond from 2016, and should he start marketing his weight loss <laughs> secrets to the masses?
3: Look, I, I I went to sign up for like this meal delivery plan, uh, you know, like one of those, uh, you know, Blue Apron right. called Purple Carrot, and I was I was looking through the meal plans, uh, the different meal plans you can get, and there was one of them that was the TB12, the Tom Brady meal plan, which I which blew my mind that he was involved <laughs> with this company. So, of course, I had to get that because I wanted to become a better quarterback. But if Draymond Green can get involved with, like, Blue Apron or Purple Carrot or any of these things, these, like, stay fresh, you know, home cooking systems, that's his second career. Like, we talk about KD investing and Andre Wadala investing. Like, Draymond Green can just become a health fitness guy. He can become, like, a you know, the Giada De Laurentiis of, of the NBA where he's just got his own cooking stuff. Like, I think that this is – he may even retire early for this stuff, right? Like, Draymond like might be better at this. He might, if he dropped 23 pounds in a week or in a month or six weeks or whatever it was, like, he may be better at this than he is at basketball. He's pretty good at basketball.
1: <laughs> that just seems unhealthy. Can you imagine losing 23 pounds in a month? Ooh,
3: I, like, I so I, uh, like, a couple of years ago, I cut out carbs and sugar to start the year. And I lost like 20 pounds in, in about a month. And I and it made me realize, my God, I was taking terrible care of myself. <laughs> so maybe Draymond was just, you know, eating a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of in and out and a lot of uh, Shake Shack and stuff. And, the, and now he's cut that out and he's easy to just, you know,
1: just, he just shed the pounds. Didn't lose the beard, though. Didn't no, lose didn't, the beard. Oh, no, 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 grew, grew, <laughs> grew more of
3: the beard. That's how, that's how you get it.
1: We got, uh, we got Zach Harper from The Athletic. Uh, you're listening to him here talking about the NBA. So, Zach, you wrote... Uh, in The Athletic uh, a couple of days ago about Kevin Durant and uh, Kevin Durant had his press conference about saying, I'm Kevin Durant. This is me, blah, blah, blah. He was talking. To, and then he threw out a bunch of really fancy sounding words. Top locking, I think, was the uh, word yeah. of the week.
3: <laughs> Did the Internet go crazy over that. Top
1: locking. So uh, anyway, it, you explained a little bit of why you didn't necessarily see that as impressive. And I, I thought that was, you know, I kind of agreed. But can you go into that a little bit, and why, you know, why would someone, why would KD go into de- into depths of that, and why would he say something like that?
3: It's interesting. Like I, I, I think he wanted to show, like, guys, we can talk about basketball. We don't have to talk about this individual bravado stuff. And which I think is smart of him. Like, obviously, you talk about basketball, with Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be a great conversation, but you know how the internet is, right? Like, like someone like calls out like, Oh, the wizards are running the horns right now. And, and everyone, Oh my God, look at him. It's like, that just means there's two screens at the top, right? Like anyone who played JV basketball or coached at any level, like any low level, like it's just basic stuff. But when we, instead of saying, Oh yeah, he's ball denying, we say he's top locking. It sounds cooler, right? Like, it sounds like something people don't say a lot. And, you know, I heard Amino Hassan saying the same thing. Like, he didn't say anything fancy. This is, like, day one stuff of, when, of terminology when, when guys go. And so I just found, like, I think the, the conversation with Kevin Durant is actually still fascinating to me because it's a guy who is at the top of his game right now and doesn't seem to be enjoying it and seems to be very frustrated with us. And and it doesn't seem like something he should concern himself with. And when he just goes out there and plays ball, like you see what he did in game three. Like he's he's arguably the best player on the planet every time he goes out on the floor. And it should be the thing that we're focusing on, but we focus on all the other stuff because he gives us all the other stuff and drama wins out when with anything in sports coverage. And so I found that fascinating. I found that idea that like he seems to be, you know, subtly throwing disagreements with, with, uh, you know, with Steve Kerr constantly, not constantly, yeah. Yeah, dramatic, but often enough, right? Okay, Often enough to where, like, there was a joke going around in yeah. the, arena the other day where if if Steve Kerr comes out and says, hey, he's Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant would then come out and say, well, oh, hold on, I, maybe I'm not, right? Like it's, <laughs> like, it's just these random things here and there. Like, it's, it was, hey, uh, you know, Steve finally ran more play or Steve called more plays for me to start game three which wasn't true. Like it just wasn't like they were running the same stuff. He just decided to shoot this time, at least in my opinion.
1: Do and you so think I that's just- going to be a problem? Because in terms of things that you hear around the Warriors, it's never really about, hey, these, they might not be talented enough. They might not have the best scheme, whatever it is. It's usually the chemistry and whether guys like each other. You think the Steph, Steve Kerr and, and Kevin Durant, you think there's more there than just meets the eye?
3: I think, I mean, I, I would guarantee there's more there than meets the eye, but it doesn't mean it's going to topple the, the empire, right? Like, it, it just means that it's stuff they have to, instead of getting stuff getting through stuff they have to figure out on the basketball court, they just have to get over some personality stuff. Sometimes it's very easy to do and put aside. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it becomes Kobe Shaq. Like, I don't think it's become that dramatic with the Warriors. But, yeah, it's stuff that they have to manage. And, and it probably means more for them in the future, in terms of trying to keep this team together and re-sign him than it does of, of winning the championship this year. So, you know, it's just – it's it's stuff that every team goes through. It's just this is the impossible team to beat, or at least what we all assume is the impossible team to beat. So any any idea of vulnerability, oh, we're just going to salivate over because, oh, that's that's the story. That's the drama.
2: Yeah. So I want to take us in a different direction to some of the other series. Um. So Milwaukee's up 3-0. They're probably going to win, and Boston swept out Um. Indiana. Is that one kind of setting up the same way the Warriors-Rockets are as being kind of the two best teams in the East, or am I just overrating the way Boston played in that series and they're still the same wildly inconsistent team they were
3: the whole way through? Yeah, I mean, I think Boston's still pretty inconsistent. Like They, they handled their business maybe quicker than we all thought they would. Because I think some people thought, oh, Indiana can get a game or two, right? Like, they've, right. they've played really well. They're a good defensive team. But Boston didn't, like, really blow them out most nights. Like, they, they, they were in control. But, um, you know, it took a seven-and-a-half-minute fourth-quarter stretch in which the Pacers didn't score at all in order for Boston to win on their home floor. Like, you know, I think I think they're still set up to play their best basketball moving forward. But it's... You know, we talk about drama and guys not getting along and and teams not being able to get over the get over themselves. Like Boston's a bigger challenge with that stuff than, than the Warriors are. And, and going against a team like Milwaukee that just seems very connected on every level, that's going to be a chemistry issue. That you know whether it's detrimental or not, that they have to prove won't affect them against a team like the Bucks who don't have any
1: of those issues. You think that Bucks team is is going to win that series, Zach? I know I know you you're cover, you cover the entire NBA, so.
3: I do, but I've been, like I've I've been very positive about this Bucks team this whole this whole time. They haven't shown any real lapses against a horrendous Pistons team, even when Blake Griffin was out there. And I think that's a good start towards showing them showing themselves that they're ready for the playoffs. But doing against Boston and doing against this garbage Detroit team is going to be a lot different, <laughs> right? Like that's that's going to be a bigger challenge. But if they come out there and they win the first two games at home, they should feel like they're going to win this series and win it without a ton of drama. Um, You know, that's a lot easier said than done, but this, this Milwaukee team is the best team in the East. They have the best style of play. They have the best player. Like, they have all these things. What Boston has going for them is they have the best closer with Kyrie Irving, and... In theory, they should have more talent than the Bucks do. It's just yeah. they haven't seemed to put that together each night.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we can we can talk about the East all day, but I think that Milwaukee-Detroit series is a is – a, I have a question about that because that's a series I don't think anybody's watching, and I think the playoff ratings are down a little bit, I believe. Somebody said it was 20%, 30%. I don't know the real number of it, but how can you explain that? The easy answer is LeBron, I guess, but is there something more to that because – I'm watching that Houston Jazz game last night. It was unwatchable. So I'm yeah. trying to understand the ratings here.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like, it, it seems to be up when Steph plays, right? Like, people seem to be watching Steph. Like, I think it's just a star-driven thing. I don't know, as much Good as answer. James Harden is a, is a big name, like, I don't know how wildly popular he is on a Saturday night when some people are, are out for the late game, right? Like, I don't know how that... If he's drawing people in against the jazz team that no one seems to really care about nationally, um, you know, LeBron not being there certainly certainly hurts because he's the biggest name in, in, in probably sports at this point outside of, you know, whatever Europeans follow with soccer because I don't really follow that, so I don't know. I'm sure Ronaldo or Messi are bigger names, but all right, LeBron's like a top three name in the whole world. Like, that's him not being there is going to matter. But I also think, like, there isn't any drama yet. And I think when you get to the second round, that's when the drama hits.
1: Yeah, I think that'll be interesting to see, uh, Zach. Thank you for coming on, sir. Warriors World Radio, Zach Harper, Athletic. Thank you, Zach. Love you, guys.
3: Can I can I just say real quick, the <laughs> biggest heat check in KMBR history is giving you guys a radio show. <laughs> like, you guys have seen some pretty incredible scores with KD and Steph and Clay do throw some crazy <laughs> shots, but this is such a heat check,
1: <laughs> and it's going great. Thanks, brother. It's going great. Yeah, <laughs> have a good one. Oh, that was uh, that was fantastic, Zach Harper. Uh, the Athletic brought up a, a couple. Couple of great points that I'm that uh, that I want to go that I want uh, to go through, and one of them is Clay Thompson because he had uh, I, I don't know if we have the Clay quote uh, about going to the beach, but maybe not. We'll, we'll wait on that one. But um, he he's he was basically in a slump for three games.
2: Yeah, he was. Um, I can pull it up here right now. He was averaging 13.7 points per game for the first three games of the series. Obviously, that's not Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson's pretty. Consistent with his 20 a game. Um, and then today, you know, broke out of his slump. Went 12 for 20, 32 points, six threes. Kind of exactly what you think of when you think of Clay coming off the screen, swish, uh, in the mid range, hitting everything, uh, a couple off balance shots.
1: I, I, It's not even like he played differently. He no. was kind of just, a, it's always Clay. He's always just the same person. Like, he's not out there. He's hunting shots, but he's hunting shots off screens. He's not hunting shots like, you know, dribbling the ball up the court and t- taking 18 dribbles, hunting shots, right? So he was about the same person. I think the Warriors have gotten a lot better at passing. Um, I, I think every time they lock in, you know, Sam, you're talking about them locking in defensively. Every time they lock in, they lock in passing too. Like,
2: Yeah, I think it was um, Bogut had a tweet before, right before he joined the Warriors. Clay had scored forty or forty one points and he basically said, You know when the Warriors are moving the ball when Clay gets going. Because he's he's the uh the star player who's most dependent on being set up. He's the he's the largest beneficiary of the ball movement offense. Um and that was kind of what was going on today. I didn't think they moved it exceptionally well, but they did cut down on the uh, the dumb turnovers, the ones that drive Steve Kerr crazy. You know, there's a couple of them, but it wasn't anything near what we saw in, let's say, game two.
1: Yeah, game two. Game one was pretty bad too, with a bunch of turnovers that they had. Um, just, just energized, just too juiced, too amped. Do you think this
2: playing a team like this Clippers team, who plays so hard? If if there's one quality to describe this Clippers team, it's uh, no one's going to play harder than them. Uh, do you think it's actually going to be good for the Warriors in the sense of? Uh, they had a bunch of these high turnover, kind of lazy games. It and then obviously they threw away game two. It actually forced the Warriors to wake up and realize, hey, we can't just go through the motions and assume the wins are going to come because of our last names.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's just the NBA nowadays too, right? I think a lot of the NBA teams, we we used to see a lot of NBA teams when they played the Warriors, they go down by fifteen. And they've got this look in their eyes like, hey, we're done. Like it's over. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just it's over. We're not coming back. That doesn't happen anymore. Number one, the teams are better, right? They're better schemes. Everybody's shooting more threes. So there's more variance. But it's just they're not as scared anymore, and which is good, which is a good thing. You can't scare teams forever, but it's not like they're winning. They're just less scared. So I think, they, I think that's a big thing uh, for the Warriors. I think they still battle. They're still fine uh, with or without that fear factor. Um, so I think that'll be uh, uh, that'll be something to monitor. I think it's good against Houston uh, for them to have that. I don't think that you wanted like a Spurs team, which was great, but they didn't make them. They didn't push them at all. It never felt like they pushed them. Right. Ne- neither do New Orleans. So this was a series that that it's uh, that collapse uh, maybe works for the Warriors. Um, call in eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. Text into the Chilton Auto Body text line. Um, so uh, 95795 and tweet in, tweet in Warriors World Radio um, for your takes as well.
2: So Steph, Steph had a rough game today. Let's talk about that, Andy. Um, do you have any thoughts on why he had a rough game? Or was it just wasn't
1: hidden shots today? I think it's um, he has one of these. Like you remember game three? Uh, last year against the Cavs, sure, where he was just awful. Um, and the thing is, like, it, it it almost seems he he'll always play that way. He doesn't divert away from that, like those fouls where he takes himself out of the game. Probably one of the more frustrating things uh, that you can see from a player because there's just no reason for him to do any of the the reach ins or the aggressive defense. It's almost better for him to just say, "It's okay." you know, letting a guy blow by you. Um, I think that's what kind of puts him in those funks because other teams hunt him. They hunt him, and... And they should hunt him. They should, and, and we'll talk about this in an hour too. we We'll get the Poe up here, but um, I think the refs are a problem in the postseason. I, I think the refs are a problem. I, I think they're threatening to make one of these games, they're going to make one of these series about themselves. And the last thing you want to do in a do-or-die playoff series, playoff game, is have it about the refs. I mean,
2: KD already has two techs. If he if he gets two per series, he's going to be suspended in the finals. I don't expect him to, but just putting that into perspective. If he picks up two against Houston, he's at four. If they beat Houston, go on, pick up another two, he's at six. All of a sudden, you're looking at a chance where if he picks up one in the finals, he's missing a finals game. Um, and his techs, uh, he did get the one rescinded, but you know, you are right. When you think of playoff basketball, you you think of the opposite. You think of no fouls being called. You think it's more physical. You think it benefits the team that fouls because they're, quote-unquote, not going to call them all. And this series has been kind of the opposite. Every one of these games has been a drag. Every one of these games has gone pretty much three hours. Um, and... They've been sloppy, and I know that's how teams want to play the Warriors, but it's it's weird to see refs in the playoffs calling
1: ticky-tack stuff repeatedly. Yeah, that's been the worst part of the postseason, and it's not the reason necessarily why the playoff ratings are down, but do people really want to watch Houston? We've got a text coming in from the 816 that it's, you know, James Harden dribble, 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 step back, and if he doesn't make it, flop, right? Um, I mean, that's not necessarily all of it, but – you also watch, and Doris Burke and Dave Patch, who are the announcers of the Houston Jazz game last night, um, were repeatedly saying, hey, there were times where they would say, oh, no, that's not a foul. Oh, they're actually not whining, or they're not actually complaining to the refs this time. Quote, verbatim, was what they were saying. And it was just ridiculous. Every single person on the court was complaining to the referees, and the referees were calling every single foul. It's you just That's not basketball. That's not playoff basketball.
2: Yeah, it, and it actually feels like they're calling more fouls than they did in the regular season. Like I feel like a lot of this stuff would have, they would have been able to get away with it in the regular season. I don't know. I I can't think of a playoffs where the general theme has been the refs calling it so tight. Um, it's just you know maybe maybe it's anecdotal. Maybe it's one of those things where the refs will fix it as time goes on. But. Uh, it is it is hard to watch a lot of these games when you just see everything go to the free throw line over and over again.
1: Yeah, it was it was terrible. Um it, it's just uh, they're overcompensating it seems like. And we don't need to know about Scott, Fo- Scott Foster. I don't I am even happy to know his name.
2: Um, I don't want to know any refs names.
1: You know, <laughs> we shouldn't fans,
2: shouldn't fans shouldn't know who the refs are and they shouldn't be looking for the refs, but that's kind of where we've got to at the NBA these days.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so we're going break. We're, we're On the other side, we're going to talk more refs. We're going to talk about playoff ratings. We're going to talk about um, how everything's going. Call us, 888-957-9570. That's for the 415 who just tried to call in.
2: And text us at the Chilton Autobody text line, 95795.
0: Now back to Warriors World Radio. On 95.7 The Game, here's Andy Lou. And
2: Sam Esfandiari. Award War is World Radio here. Sam Esfandiari. Andy Lou. Um, Y'all join- EDM
1: all day. By the way, Sam, before we get started, all <laughs> EDM all day. I was gonna
2: month. say, did you did you take over the
1: playlist? <laughs> I had no say on the playlist, but if I did take over the playlist, this is what pregame at Andy's house looks like like oh i'm aware just a, a that's constant. why i don't
2: that's why i don't frequent
1: <laughs> yeah i got i got to beg sam to come over um just a lot of a lot of lights a lot of lasers you know a lot of uh andy's uh at coachella 365 days a year i'm not a coachella guy it's just it, there's not enough edm that's the problem I and mean, i'm not a doolab guy right so i'm not a deep house guy i think edc is where i like to be at but, but i mean i'm i don't know what half the things you're saying mean so <laughs> It can't be that. I just think three days now. So now that I'm in the second half of my 20s, uh, saying congratulations. This, yeah. I can't handle three days. It's not possible. I don't know. Hey, if you want to call in 888 957 9570 and tell us how you can handle three days at a festival, would love to know because I can't do it anymore.
2: Or we can just talk basketball. We can also do that. Um, we did just reset the phone. So I know a couple of people texted in saying they had issues calling in. Uh, call back. Should be good to go. Uh, You can also text us at the Chilton Autobody text line, 95795. And you can tweet us at hashtag WarriorsWorldRadio.
1: All right, so we started, we ended the last segment talking about the refs and why um, that may be a problem this postseason. So uh, someone from the 510 texted in and said, how do you think the referee situation will play out if Golden State potentially plays Houston? Uh, Because James Harden. I mean, it's an interesting
2: question. Houston really built... They built a team to beat the Warriors. Um, They always talk about how, you know, Maury's obsessed with beating the Warriors. I don't think we give enough credence to what they did to build this team to beat the Warriors. They built a team to frustrate the Warriors emotionally with foul calls as much as anything, as far as I'm concerned. Um, And it it does have to be a concern given uh, how the Warriors kind of been going off the rails and arguing with refs and Houston's propensity for uh, trying to kind of incite you. They're trying to, you know, James Harden's never going to uh, chase down a ref and get himself ejected the way we've
1: seen the Warrior players do it, but he is going to kind of annoy you and try to get you to do it. Yeah, I think, uh, imagine, can you imagine if they had, they had Lou Williams, imagine if he was still on the team. I think the Warriors are struggling with the Clippers, who are one of the best foul-drawing teams in the NBA right now. They're struggling with defending them at times because of that. Like Lou Williams is jumping in there and he's leaning one way and then he all of a sudden he's flying the other way and you're getting called for a foul but he's still balanced enough to take that shot. Patrick Beverly, one of the greatest uh, foul drawers and, and agitators in the NBA, right? And uh, Danilo Gallinari, same thing. Yeah,
2: and um, you know it's a good strategy because you're not going to beat the Warriors by playing this kind of free flowing up and down style. You kind of need to muck up the game. One way to do it is fouls. Take the Warriors out of their rhythm.
1: Yeah, that, that's the best way. Warriors uh, function on rhythm primarily. And that's one of the tough things that, that, I mean, that's one of the things that Houston's really good at. That's one of the things that those LeBron teams are really good at. Uh, back in the days, a couple of years ago, uh, Memphis was really good at it when they were first starting out. Um, so it'll be interesting interesting to see what happens. Uh, we've got Robin here from the City Online one. She wants to just give her thoughts. Robin, what's going on?
4: Hi. I'm sorry. I lost you guys the first time. Um <laughs> First, I just want to say that um, I do think the refs are an issue. I don't like to get in, you know, who gets right. the calls, who don't. But I just I noticed it across the board. You know, De- uh, Demarcus, uh, what's his name, Rosen? He got kicked out. They said he threw the ball towards the ref. I I don't know if he did or not. But I'm just kind of seeing the frustration across the boards. And in all my days of watching ball, it's been a thirty. 40 years, um, I've never seen so many offensive fouls called on both sides of the ball, for, for the opponent or for the Warriors. It's, it's, it's nerve-wracking. Um, yeah, I think Robin, I think it almost of kind of I looks like know.
2: college basketball, right, with the amount of offensive fouls they're calling.
4: I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. <laughs>
2: I was saying it almost feels like college basketball with the amount of offensive fouls they're calling these days.
4: I didn't watch it today, I'll go home tonight. I listened to it on the radio, and I just can't tell you, listening to it on the radio will just drive you crazy, okay? Especially when the whistle is blown. Uh, the second thing I want to say is is that we always concentrate on offense, 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 and we never look at, well, we do, but it's not, it's not sexy. Uh, I don't think we should be called strength in numbers, but the collective, and I know that's kind of similar, but I say the collective because of this. You know, a lot of those things that were going on with KD, for instance, in the game before, because I haven't watched this game, you know, like when he was getting shots, you would see um, – you would just see, um, like, Andre Iguodala. He threw the ball into Draymond. Draymond threw the ball to KD. KD threw it back to Dre. Dre screened for him, and he hit – and KD hit the three. I mean, a lot of that is going on. So, I don't think it should be strength in numbers. I think it should be the collective, because they're playing smart. Um, I just wanted to, you know – they could play smarter, but that's all I have to say. And um, let me know what you think about
1: that. <laughs> Love that. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Robin. Yeah, I, you know, I, I agree. I think uh, strength in numbers is a little just it, it just it's a bench thing, right? It's just like, hey, how, how good is the bench? I agree with her in saying that it, it is collectively how they play together because they get they had they have they've had these guys as a team for six years. They had like Kevin Durant on the team for three years, and when they don't play together, it's a problem. It's a problem, regardless of how much more talented than they are. They can lose to the Phoenix Suns. I'm sad because Diane was calling in for Coachella advice, and now she's gone. Do you see that, Sam?
2: Yes, Diane. Please call back. Andy needs Coachella advice. Um, <laughs> but let's go to line four. Telmo wants to uh, talk about the Clippers are the ideal warm-up for the Rockets.
0: How you guys doing
2: today? We're doing great. How you doing, Telmo? Doing
0: well. So it, to, real quick, to, the key to surviving the three-day festival is to remember <laughs> that it's a marathon not a sprint and you got to stay hydrated no matter what you do substances drinking anything you got to stay hydrated that's the key but now on to basketball Love that. I, I think you guys brought up a very good point that Houston built a team to beat the Warriors and part of that strategy was to have heart and get in their head to get to the foul line to kind of muddy up the game so they can impose their style, not let the Warriors run free and do their thing. And taking that into consideration, I think the Clippers are the perfect first-round opponent because the Warriors aren't in any real danger of losing the series because they're so much more talented. But they're having to get used to not letting Beverly get in their head anymore or getting beyond that or getting past the referees and just saying, hey, we can't succumb to outside influences, be it the other team or the referees, and we have to do what we do, stay within, uh, stay in our lane for all intents and purposes, play our brand of basketball. And I think having the Clippers as this opponent better prepares them to go into a series with the Rockets and not get so frustrated and phased because they're like, hey, we are, just went through this. We know how to deal with this kind of adversity.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree, and thanks for calling in, Tom. Well, You're exactly right, because that's one of the, the things that the Warriors have had issues before, not just this year, not just last year. They've had it for a while, and last season you play... You play uh, New Orleans. You play San Antonio. Those aren't ones that you're going to get frustrated with the refs about. You know, know, they're they're playing clean basketball, and it's just a game. It's not all of a sudden, okay, who can I foul out? Who can I get a technical on? Who can I agitate enough on the Warriors side where I can get into their heads? Those type of mind games, this is perfect. The Clippers are that team. And I don't think that was mentioned enough in pregame analysis. So uh, it's a great point uh, by Tomo. By the way, we have a request from the 415, Sam. Uh, asking me to play Show will be love my rune five. We'll see what I can do about that. We'll see. We'll see what I can do. Uh he doesn't produce it doesn't look that happy from behind the glass. He's not smiling. Uh ne- next one up, we got Jason from New York. How's it going, Jason? Thanks for calling hey, man.
3: Andy, the reason why you can't do a three day weekend is because you're washed, bro. Let's just
1: keep it a stack. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Nah. You ain't lying. <laughs> Um, nah, it's just, yeah, like, the thing about
3: the refs is, I tweeted the other day, and me, me and you both agree, like, I hate, you know, when Barkley and Shaq use those, like, NBA soft tropes because they're really toxic about it, and, and they're interfering with their legacy, so they don't like, like, new players and stuff like that, but generally speaking, like, some of these calls make me believe, like, yo, this game's starting to become a little soft, <laughs> like, I mean, there's no way Embiid gets a flavor there uh, in that Brooklyn game, I mean, just none, and you're gonna get into a situation, as you guys know, with Draymond a couple years ago, where like these things accumulate. And so it's hard for a player to then, you know, try to uh, uh fix his style, you know, mid playoffs just because he has you no know, you know, BS bigger fouls, right? And so what's gonna to have to happen is Hilly one of these days might lose a beat for like the Eastern Karma semis in the right. game five. That's gonna suck. And so I just you know what I mean, like I I, I I don't get it. The league got to get a little better, a little
2: more judicious with shit like that. Excuse my language. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no I absolutely, I absolutely agree with you, Jason. Um, no one wants to watch the refs. We want to see the players play. If it's a foul, call it, but you don't have to call every tiki tack thing in the playoffs. Um, thank you for joining us, Jason.
1: Yeah, it's we didn't even talk about the Embiid one um, where he where Jimmy Butler got ejected, and yeah, and that was okay. It was a foul on Embiid. Right, But
2: I, I don't know how else he can test. Like he, he was basically being penalized for being big.
1: <laughs> I'm laughing because I, I don't get it. Right? I don't either. It's, it, that was a common foul to me. They're, they're going back the other way too much where I think people talk about the 80s and 90s and how if you want to go through the paint, you're getting to get an elbow to the stomach kind of thing. right? And now it's like they're not even letting you uh, touch each other going into the paint, and part of basketball is hey, if you're going to go into the paint, if I'm the center, if I'm a player that's playing, you go into my paint, you're going to get hit. Right? And my
2: and my whole thing is if you're he was trying to make a play on the ball. It wasn't what we don't want is guys trying to clothesline, you know, unprotected guys in the air. But if you're making a play on the ball, like sometimes you're going to foul. It happens. If if you can find me a player who never fouls while trying to defend, I mean, they're the greatest defender of all time because it's it's pretty much impossible.
1: Yeah, I, I and it's also part of the playoffs. And, and this season, I, I think we had we had someone that uh, uh, that texted in. Actually, this will dovetail right into four one five. Uh, essentially, saying every offseason the refs come out with a new mandate on how they're going to start calling violations more strictly. Uh, their mandate never focused on finding ways to game flow to to let the game flow more smoothly for the enjoyment of the fans. Okay, so. This season, this offseason or last offseason, they had the uh, – what was it called, Sam? They they had the new mandate where it's uh, freedom of movement or, or yeah, something? Yeah, freedom of movement emphasis. It's
2: right. always been a rule. They didn't necessarily make a new rule. It was just kind of their focus was to allow players yep. like Steph Curry, like James Hart, basically offensive players to um, be able to show off their skills, You know, not be able to hold them off balls, call that more often.
1: Yeah, and so the game became almost too easy for the offense. I think the Warriors were uh, a little bit annoyed because they weren't able to defend the way they, that they used to, and teams were just dropping 130 points. It almost seems like they've reverted back the other way now, where they're calling too many fouls and they're just not letting anyone do anything. So I, I don't know, man. It's it's hard to watch. You don't want that to be, uh, you don't want that to be an issue, especially in the postseason. Um, you don't want to reward players for doing that, right? Have we ever thought of Kevin Durant or Klay Thompson or Steph Curry as people that go into the lane to try to draw a foul? I don't think we've ever thought of them that way.
2: No. Um, they they generally drive to try to finish the basket, but that shouldn't even matter. Um, it's hard to officiate, particularly at the speed it's going, but ultimately I think we all know what's a foul and what's not a foul and what is intent and what isn't and it, it just seems to me that the refs at least in the first round particularly in the warriors clippers series have been so focused on setting a tone yeah. instead of just calling yeah. the game and when you do that then it's it just becomes about the refs and i mean no one wants to watch that
1: yeah yeah the setting the tone part is probably the worst part um we're gonna read this legal id real quick you're listening to 957 the game kgmzfm I can't see an HD1 KGMZ San Francisco, a radio.com sports station. Colin in 957 Oh, Ooh, Diane came back online one. Diane, how's it going?
4: Hi. Sorry, I lost you guys.
1: <laughs> no worries. No worries. What's on your mind?
4: Yeah, I got tips for Coachella being a 26 year old who just came back from weekend one.
1: Oh, you're right. Are we yeah. still recovering?
4: Yeah, I feel great. Because I got a home with my friends, I brought good friends, and to piggyback on the other listeners' comments on staying hydrated, I think that's really important. Staying hydrated with some water is definitely really, really important. But um, I do have a question for you guys, if you're willing to answer, to take a question from me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. question.
1: Thank you, Diane. I, I don't think. I think we I, lost her. I think we lost her. I think that was cracking up. I think it was, uh, I think it, uh, the reception. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I don't
2: know. You can call back, Diane. Yeah. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll take your question. Um, the 707 saying, I feel like Ooh. a number of techs should reset every series. I feel some refs target certain players and resetting techs every series might avoid this. Um, I don't think we need to change the rules with regards to how many techs. Um, I just think the refs need to use better discretion in terms of when they give fouls and when they don't. I don't think we need to keep messing with the rules. It just needs to be applied correctly.
1: Here's another thing that I'm, uh, uh, while, while we're on the ref topic, too, Sam. I'm watching some of these late-game situations, and a lot of the times... They're sending things to review, and it's just they're reviewing for, like, five minutes. And this is a great game. It's a tie game. You know, there's, like, one fifteen left in the game, and all of a sudden there's a stoppage, and they're reviewing for five minutes. We don't really need that. We get it.
0: Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?